Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and thanks for joining us at Faith and Family. We're continuing our family Bible studies in the Gospel of Matthew. And just so you know what we're doing, we're reaching the end or near the end of our studies in Matthew. I'm not doing a verse-by-verse study, but I'm trying to select important passages in Matthew that really have an impact in our personal lives, our family life, and perhaps passages that will address something that's maybe neglected in a common way as Catholics. And I mentioned last episode that there's a blind side. In fact, I thought there were at least two major blind sides in the Catholic faith. The blind side being, it was in a uh, a movie by the name of The Blind Side, where a quarterback might be blind to a defensive tackle coming at him in an angle that he's not looking and he gets flattened. Well, our blind side as Catholics, we had in our last episode a blind side, and I have another, a second one today. And today's blind side, I'm going to entitle The I Will Trap. I will in quotation marks. Uh, the I will trap. And the I will section comes from Matthew 26, starting in verse 33. And the person following and falling into the I will trap was our first Pope, St. Peter, before he was Pope, before the day of Pentecost. Peter declared to Jesus, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And today, people are wondering, why are so many people falling away from the Catholic faith? Why are so many young people, even if they go through catechism classes and Catholic schools and everything, why are they falling away? I do believe one of the blind sides that's a major cause of this, not the sole cause, but a major cause, is just what Peter says right here. Though they all fall away, I will never fall away. And what did Jesus think of this? Jesus said to him, truly I say to you this very night before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. So you see, uh, the major founders of the Catholic Church, Peter, the first pope, and the apostles, all these initial disciples of Jesus, imagine so long as they made a firm resolution of the will, and that alone was all it was needed to make those tough moral decisions with the follow-through behaviors. And to his credit, no one was more committed than St. Peter. He said, even if everybody else falls away, I'm not. I will never fall away. Yet, despite his determination, you know, he fell flat in his face. You go a little bit further, in Matthew 26, and you know this, but let's, let's look at it. Peter in the courtyard and a maid 
a, a, a little maid comes up to the great St. Peter, and I see St. Peter, this strong, burly fisherman, scared to death. He says, even if I have to die, I'm never going to, I will not fall away. And the maid scares him, and he goes and denies Christ. So he went out into the porch, you know, maybe kind of like uh, uh, sneak away a little bit. And another maid saw him, and she said, this man was of Jesus of Nazareth. And this time he denied it with an oath. He swore he didn't know Jesus. So much for the I will. And then, of course, the third time somebody said, certainly you're one of his disciples for your accent betrays you. And Peter invoked a curse on himself and swore, I do not know the man. And then he went out and wept bitterly. So this isn't just a moral failure, a discipleship failure. This is a falling-on-your-face catastrophe failure, and it started with the declaration of I will. And you're thinking, well, what's wrong with that? Well, there's a section of Scripture in the Old Testament that has more I wills that I'm aware of than any other place in the Bible. It's in Isaiah 14. And it's talking about the king of Babylon, who was at that point in time, the king of the first world empire. He was king of the world. He was a big dude. And what's going on in Isaiah is that he fell. Uh, Even though his, you know, the power and prestige of being a, a king of Babylon, he fell. And this is how Isaiah reads. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. And in the Latin, that sounds like Lucifer, and this is why even the king of Babylon is reflecting, so to speak, the boast of Lucifer. He goes, how you are cut down to the ground, You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of the assembly. I will ascend above the clouds of heaven. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Sheol, to the depths of the pit. And what was going on in Isaiah 14, this isn't just a mistake. If whatever your your intention, if it simply grows out of an independent will, a fancy term is the autonomous will, well, then you're on the wrong path. This isn't a Christian path. And so often, and again, St. Peter, this is even you know, when he fell here, he was a good guy. Christ had already picked him to be head of the band of apostles, and all the apostles went with his declaration, I will not deny you and all this, and they all fell. And to me, this is a gigantic lesson for us because, you know, the king of Babylon had an I will, and that was just simply pride, but even with very strong, pious intention, the I will, apart from God's power, God's grace, God's working in you, 
that becomes pride too. It's religious pride, and maybe that's some of the worst pride there can be. It's right up there with the king of Babylon. So the pious I wills is not the path to holiness. And so often, if you ask the average Catholic, I think a lot of people would say that that's it. It's just having the intention to do the right thing and try harder and try to do the best you can. But it's a toxic road that leads to thousands, maybe tens of thousands, drifting away, uh, quitting, maybe even formally quitting, some even falling into paganism. So these self-energized resolutions, the I wills, I see as a major Catholic blindside. And I would say maybe Catholics, even more than Protestants, are prone to this. And why is that? Well, I think the Catholic Church, Catholic catechesis and instruction and homilies and lessons and broadcasts and everything else do a very good job. In fact, probably a better job, and I'm not boasting, I'm just trying to be honest here, do a better job than many other Christian groups teaching explicitly and extensively what Christians are supposed to do. And this is good. This is this is uh, this is what you want to do, but and watch out for the but. Teachers, pastors, catechists, parents fail miserably way too often on teaching how to do these good things. It's one thing to teach people what they need to do, but along with that. They need just as much, or perhaps I would say Catholics, more teaching on how they are to do those good things. And I'm going to take a very concrete example. The concrete example is probably just in what I've dealt with firsthand for I don't know how many years now, but a lot of years. And I've encountered while dealing with Catholic fathers that such large numbers of Catholic men right now, as I'm speaking to you, are struggling with pornography habits and and even what you would call addictions. And these are one of the most difficult habits um, or addictions to shake, to get rid of, to, to stop, to get it out of your life. And the danger comes from being like St. Peter and all the disciples saying, I will never fall away. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm never going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then they just fall flat three times in a row. Today, there's almost a mini Catholic industry that's popped up encouraging very radical acts of self-abasement for those who are desiring to quit a pornography habit. And that's teaching men what they are supposed to do. But most of the guys coming to such groups know what they're supposed to do. The question is how they are supposed to do it. And are radical acts of self-abasement the key? Particularly those radical acts of self-abasement that forget certain dynamics. 
Colossians, St. Paul's letter to Colossians has some really important verses. Uh, Colossians 2.18, 2.20, 21, 23. And I'm going to read to you verse 23, maybe as many as three times, because it's so important. Colossians 2.18, let no one disqualify you insisting on self-abasement. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the universe, why do you live as you still belong to the world? Why do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. Verse 23, and this is the one to really zero in on, Colossians 2, verse 23. These indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting rigor of devotion and self-abasement and severity to the body, but they are of no value in checking the indulgence of the flesh. And I'm going to read it at least twice. These indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting rigor and devotion and self-abasement and severity to the body, but they are of no value in checking the indulgence of the flesh. Okay, it doesn't work. Uh, these strategies, what I would call I will strategies, the failed strategies that St. Peter and the, the disciples tried and didn't work, um, have at root something that are actually counter to what you desire. Um, when it comes time in Greenville for buying a present for my grandchildren, I much prefer to go to this old-time store called Wilson's. It's kind of like a glorified old five-and-dime store, even though now it's a dollar or five dollars. But they have much better toys than the um, $29.95 plastic stuff at these other big box stores. And one of my favorite toys, the kind of toy you would find at Wilson's, is the Chinese finger lock. Um, I don't know what they cost today, but probably less than a dollar. A Chinese finger lock. If you remember, you put your index finger on each hand into the Chinese finger lock. And then I used to, when I was a boy, I thought these things were the greatest things in the world. You know, you just say, now pull hard. And the harder you pull, the more the lock comes onto your finger. The harder you try, the worse it gets. St. Paul says, all these acts of self-abasement have an appearance of wisdom in promoting a rigor of devotion and self-abasement and severity to the body, but they are of no value in checking the indulgence of the flesh. I'm just telling you, these strategies, a number of these strategies, at least the way they are presented, they're telling you what to do, but not how to do it. And when you don't know how to do it, and you're just trying to do this on your own steam, like quit a pornography addiction. It's like a Chinese finger lock. lock. Uh, St. Paul had this to say. I, you could call this the Chinese finger lock scripture in the epistle to Romans, chapter 7, verse 15 and following. He says, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. You see, the contrary comes out when it's down to I will. If you're depending on I will, then there's a 
counter punch that comes to you, you do end up doing the very thing you don't want to do. And then Romans 7 goes on, for I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. Boy, is there truth to this. All right, so what do you do? Well, if you're in this situation, just trying harder, just trying to do those acts of self-abasement, and if that's your strategy, what you really need to do, and if, if you've fallen on your face multiple times, um, you need to have a weeping session with St. Peter. St. Peter went out and wept bitterly. And there's a certain amount that's in all of us. A lot of people think uh, Christianity is a little train that could. I think I can. I think I can. Just try harder, 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 harder. And you keep falling, falling, falling. And it's not self-generated energy that causes us to live the Christian life. This might sound awfully simple, but you really got to get it inside the noggin you need Christ to live the Christian life. I will is not the path to having Christ in the center of your heart, okay? And St. Peter came to the end of himself. He came to the end of I will. This is actually, you know, people like to kind of talk down St. Peter saying, you know, he wasn't a perfect man. No, he wasn't a perfect man, but believe me, when he went out, and wept bitterly, he was making great spiritual progress. Psalm 34 says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. When you're in the I will, oh, I'm doing great, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and this is going to be the result, and then you fall on your face and you keep trying it, you need to confess the utter futility of trying to live the Christian life without Jesus Christ, okay? So, have a little weeping session with St. Peter. Come to the end of yourself, your I will, and then develop a very new grace-filled identity. And there's a lot of parts of the Bible, especially in the New Testament for this, but I would pick 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 10. And this would be one to, I don't know, put on your refrigerator, put on your dashboard or uh, maybe even memorize 1 Corinthians 15, 10. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Do you hear that? His identity. I am what I am because of not I will, but because of the grace of God. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. You see, Catholics know we're supposed to do stuff, okay? Some versions of Protestantism kind of like this is just believe or come forward in Billy Graham crusade or something, and you don't have to worry about anything else. And Catholics know that that's not what the New Testament teaches. They know they're supposed to do stuff, but they go about doing it with the I will on their own steam, like Peter tried, like the apostles tried, but here, St. Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And it wasn't in vain. When the grace comes, he says, I worked harder than any of them. So he did the good works, and he was more successful than any of them. But here he follows through. 
though it was not I. See, there's a new identity inside. This is more than a couple of tricks or um, self-abasement practices during Lent or something like that. This is finding a new identity, though it was not I, but the grace of God which is within me. Jesus Christ wants to come inside, live inside, and empower inside. And this isn't just presto stuff, but this is where real, genuine, lasting change comes with the grace of God. By the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. Okay? Now, how do you implement this? Because far as I can see, there's a blind side here in contemporary Catholicism. Um, it's not in the Catholic Catechism, because if you read that little slim booklet, which I've recommended a hundred times, the introduction to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it says the entire arrangement and outline of the Catechism is designed to emphasize the grace of God and everything God has done for us and through the sacraments in us and then it talks about commandments only then. And if you get that reversed, you're screwed up. You're going to end up like Peter, basically denying he even knew Christ to two maids and some bystanders, okay? So you're going to have to get input in your life. So I would dare say, okay, if you're in a recovery group and there's too much I will going on, and there's a lot of I will going on and a lot of Catholic and Protestant recovery groups, I would dare say before and after every session, you find yourself some verses. I'm just going to give you a couple today before we go, uh, but find some verses on the grace of God as you read the New Testament and read those before and after your recovery group meets. Because if you just leave with a reinforcing the I will, uh, you're headed for a crash and burn versus if you meditate on the grace of God verses and let your mind be formed according to that, put the brake on the I will, depend on God's grace, then your recovery group will be a success. The same thing with counseling, any kind of counseling, but particularly sex addiction counseling, even Christian counselors fall into the I will stuff. So maybe before and after your counseling session, get those scriptures that speak about the grace of God. By the grace of God, I am what I am, okay? Though it was not I, but the grace of God which is within me. And now, uh, parents. Unfortunately, I think too many Catholic schools and catechism classes have a blind side. They emphasize properly what Catholics are supposed to do, but they underemphasize how to do that. And so I would dare say, if you're going to have an emphasis with your children, and if you're homeschooling, the same thing. Even Catholic homeschooling materials have a lot on what you're supposed to do, not enough emphasis on how. Because if giving somebody the what without the how, they fall away. They quit. They abandon the faith. So what are some scriptures? I'm just going to give you one of mine. In fact, when I was a Protestant minister, 
these two verses were what I declared as the kind of the foundation stone to our little congregation, but they're all the more true for Catholics. Jesus said in John 15, verses 4 and 5, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, abiding in Christ, Christ abiding in you, and I just mentioned a second ago, these verses have incredible application for Catholics because Jesus spoke these words in the upper room in the midst of instituting the Eucharist. And what does the chalice have? The fruit of the vine. And it comes to us through the body and blood of Christ. That's how we abide in Christ. This is a sacramental declaration. And we're supposed to draw our strength. When we come to Mass, we're asking God to have strength for us that we don't have for ourselves. We're asking him to live within us. And that gift isn't something we earn. The sacraments are not earned. They're given. They're a gift. They're a gift of grace. Here's another verse, if you want another verse, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And you could couple that with John 15, apart from me you can do nothing, but with him you can do all things. And then the other thing I would recommend, there's a, a book entitled Addiction and Grace by Dr. Gerald May. And Grace is so often ignored even by Christian counselors that I would recommend getting this book, Addiction and Grace by Dr. Gerald May, and highlight some key sections and refer to your highlighted sections at various times to keep reinforcing the need to have God's grace, God's power. Dr. May says, for the addicted person struggling only with willpower, the desire to continue the addiction will win. If you want the grace of God to win, that's what you have, and that's the how in order to accomplish the what. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 467 of Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org.